raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with your hosts, John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Here we focus on helping men and those with men in their lives solve some of life's complex challenges through understanding the practices of mindfulness and how they can help. Each episode is in an environment free of judgment and criticism with a focus on authenticity and inner peace. Let's dig in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Men Talking Mindfulness. MTM is a thought-provoking and transformative podcast that delves into the complexities and nuances of the human mind. Our show offers a platform for open, authentic conversations about mental health, mindfulness, and personal growth. We feature leading experts, innovators, and thought leaders from various fields of psychology, psychiatry, and personal development who share their wisdom, insights, and practical tools to foster a deeper understanding of our minds, enhance mental well-being, and inspire personal transformation. Our goal is to challenge stigmas, empower listeners with knowledge, and ignite a collective journey towards greater self-awareness, healing, and overall well-being. And today, we're honored to host a truly esteemed guest, Dr. Frank Anderson, a renowned psychiatrist, psychotherapist, and authority in trauma treatment. Dr. Anderson is a guiding light in his field. His rich experience spans multiple institutions, from serving as a clinical instructor in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School to being a lead trainer at the IFS Institute along Richard Schwartz, alongside Richard Schwartz. He also holds a long affiliation with Bessel van der Kolk's Trauma Center, where he conducts training. Driven by his passion for teaching brain-based psychotherapy, Dr. Anderson merges cutting-edge neuroscience knowledge with the Internal Family System, IFS, model of therapy. An advisor to the International Association of Trauma Professionals, the IATP, and the former chair and director of the Foundation for Self-Leadership, Dr. Anderson's contribution to trauma healing extends far and wide. As a prolific author, he has lent his wisdom to numerous publications in the field of trauma. Most notably, he has recently published a book titled Transcending Trauma, Healing Complex PTSD with Internal Family Systems, which has become a crucial resource for professionals and individuals navigating trauma. Today, we have the privilege to delve deeper into the world of trauma healing with Dr. Anderson. Dr. Anderson, Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Great to see you yeah, today. Thank you. thank you for having me. It's great. It's great to be here. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. But before we go any further, I, of course, want to say hello to my esteemed colleague, my co-host and good friend, <laughs> Will, over there in New York City. Well, good to see you, brother. Thank you. feel like a bit of a hot mess today as we kind of discussed the beginning of the show. <laughs> and that's not really true. I, you know, I just get so excited. Uh, you know, I'm really excited for this conversation uh, with Frank today and learning about IFS uh, and just always do a show and help our audience you know, kind of gain a little bit more knowledge and wisdom and insight. Um, but hey, um, just please help us grow the show. You know, uh, you can hit us up on social media men talking mindfulness or follow us on youtube and maybe share the podcast with your friends which would be great or you could even like take a little screenshot if you're listening now and and post it and say you're becoming more mindful by listening to men talking mindfulness and also part of our feed 
several guided meditations and breath practices that you can access anytime you need them, uh, maybe to enhance your current home practice, or maybe you need a little break in the middle of the day and release some of that stress and anxiety and kind of drop in, get uh, centered, get to the, which we're going to talk about today with Frank, um, and uh, back to what you need. Um, so yeah, thank you for tuning in and, and helping us grow the show. Uh, we're going to just start with our five. Uh, this help is going to obviously help me a lot. Can you feel a little crushed? We're going to do our five <laughs> breath opening practice. It's all good, you guys. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, so we're going to ground with these five breaths. Um, and this is just an incredible tool. If you're ever feeling a little out of sorts or you know just need to ground and get more centered and just kind of be a little bit more right with yourself and a little more harmony, just five breaths, just like we're going to practice right now, will have an incredible impact on getting you back to the here and now which is the only time it ever is. Um, so uh, close the eyes or uh, ground your hands, ground your feet, or you know, keep your eyes open if uh, that's safe for you, or maybe you're driving. Probably a good idea to keep your eyes open. Uh, let's just exhale the breath all the way out to begin. Really push the breath out, 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 out. You can even feel that emptiness as you push the breath out completely. Let's take a big, expansive breath in for five seconds, four, three, Two, one, and exhale out the mouth, blowing out a candle. Push it out, push it out, push it out. Good. Let's do a couple more or a few more. Inhale, fill the belly deeply. Inhaling. Exhaling. And the exhale is a great opportunity to feel more of that grounding in your body. Maybe relax the face, the jaw, and the shoulders. And again, inhale. We can kind of inhale peace if you like. Think of it that way. Exhale, push out the stress. Two more. Inhaling peace. Exhaling out the stress and the BS. One more in. And let it go. Just take like this little mini moment of reflection and just see from where we were just like a minute or so ago to where you are now just by grounding with your breath, literally shifting our internal experience from this heightened states of stress and anxiety and down into the here and now of the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's what these five breaths can do for you. And uh, maybe make some little movements, open those eyes, get excited. Let's have a, more of a fantastic show than we already are. Um, Dr. Or Frank, Dr. Frank. Frank, thank you for being <laughs> here with us today. I, I, it's gonna, I'm going to calm I answer down, guys. Anything. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so where should we begin, gentlemen? Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, in the intro, I mentioned IFS. Um, I actually, before I did your intro, like uh, did the research on the intro, I was not familiar with IFS. Um, yeah. So, Frank, I almost called you Dr. Anderson again. Frank, <laughs> um, you know, what is IFS and can you share some insights into the intersection of neuroscience and the internal family system model of therapy. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, IFS or internal family systems really originated as a mode of psychotherapy um, by, as you mentioned, the originator uh, Richard Schwartz. It's now at its, there's this year at the annual conference, this is 40 years in existence. So it's been around for a really long time. It's kind of a grassroots kind of model of psychotherapy talking about the different parts or aspects of everybody's personality. We all have different parts of ourselves, and these different parts of us serve different functions. Now, back in the day when I was in my residency training program, if you had parts of yourself, you were considered crazy, right? And you were called civil, or you had multiple personality disorders. So there's this whole right... Um, idea of fragmentation or different parts of ourselves as being crazy or pathological or wrong and needing to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And IFS holds a very different view and vantage point of that. We say, no, everybody has different parts or aspects of their personality. It's actually normal, not pathological. Right. And that each one of these aspects of who we are serves a different function for us. Like if you're out on the battlefield, you're going to need a certain type of part to show up. Right. If you're playing with your kids in the backyard, you're in a different aspect of your personality. When you're at work, you're bringing a different self forward, so to speak. Right. A different part of yourself. So this idea of multiplicity is normal. I did a project several years ago, never got off the ground with Pixar. Um, for example, with the Inside Out movie, you know. Oh my gosh, we love that movie. <laughs> One of our that, it's actually, wasn't that a great? Yeah, movie? it's actually on our website as a resource. <laughs> In, we know, recommend it to our audience. IFS, you know, that's kind of what we thought. I mean, they I worked with them, and they didn't know we existed at the time. Interestingly enough, but it's exactly that. We all have these different aspects of our personality. Some of them carry pain. We call those the wounded parts. And other parts take on the role of protection because they have to, right? Because of extreme circumstances, because you're in it alone without a lot of support, different parts of us rise to the occasion and will take on a protective role. Hmm. The problem with that is that they tend to take on protective roles in a, in a somewhat primitive or immature way. If you're a kid growing up in a dysfunctional family, you're gonna, the resources that you have are the resources in your environment. So you may protect by yelling and screaming. You may protect by dissociating or shutting down. You may protect, you know, if you're an adult by drinking, right? So we're using anything in our environment as a service of protection when we're having to deal with overwhelming problems. So that's that's ends up being one of the problems that we're here to fix. So many people use rage, obsessing, anxiety, any symptom, right? Any symptom we see as a form of protection. Not as bad and wrong and needing to be gotten rid of. And that's a big deal cuz so much of our culture and society sees all these things as bad and wrong. Stop drinking, stop smoking, stop obsessing, get Mm. off your phone. You know, so there's this judgment Mm. around our behavior that ends up having people feel 
like shit and it makes more shame yeah. inside. I'm bad enough. Right. Right? right. It activates those critics, those internal critics, like, oh, I'm a worthless piece of shit, right? So we right. flip it on its head. It's like, hey, maybe that suicide has a positive intention. Maybe Oof. drinking yeah. has value. Let's see right. if we can learn about the intention of the part, not the effect it has. You understand wow, that? Right. So we're always looking at the intention. If you're cutting, if you're drinking, if you're shooting math, hitting your kids, I don't really care what it is. There's a positive intention from the parts yeah. perspective. Okay. So that's what we're looking for when we're working with somebody is like, how does suicidal thoughts or actions help? And when you start listening, you learn a whole world of information. You know, mm. the meditation that we did in the beginning, just the, the, mo the ability to just stop and go inside, it's huge. Mm. Because most of us spend most of our waking time out, out, out. And right. we never go in. And we never stop to listen. I was thinking when we were doing the meditation, I'm like, wow, this five, five breath session, five breath moment is kind of like a smoke break, right? <laughs> People go outside, right. they go out of their buildings or their offices and they take a smoke break. However, <laughs> a slight difference, right? When we're doing right. this, we're, we're still inhaling. <laughs> we are inhaling. That's right. We're inhaling. Going inside and getting curious instead of just sitting outside smoking a butt, right? This idea of stopping and going inside with curiosity is a huge paradigm shift, not judgment and criticism, right? So you stop, you go inside and you get curious. Why am I yelling right now? What's the value of yelling at my kids, right? And people are often surprised it, what they hear if they listen. Oh, yelling at my kids tries to stop them from acting that way. Because if I acted that way when I was a kid, I would have gotten the shit beat out of me. Mm. So when I see my kids yelling and screaming and fighting, it activates fear inside of me. Like, holy crap, if I did that, I would have gotten beat. So I've got to stop them hmm. so it doesn't activate me. One such example, right? Suicide, another one. How could that be helpful, Frank? Everybody, there's a suicide crisis in the world. Like, we got to stop people, teens, adults, vets, everybody from being suicidal. I say, well, wait a minute. What if we listened to the suicidal part? What if we actually listened to it and heard why it felt leaving or ending is valuable? Because if you listen to suicidal parts, rarely do they want to actually kill themselves. They just want to stop the pain. Right. They're really all about stopping the pain. They're the 
last responders, not the first responders. Mm. Wow. Suicidal parts wow. are the last responders. So when everything else has failed, they're the ones, the lone helpers, the last helpers, and they carry a huge burden. They carry a huge burden of stopping the pain. And so what we do is we embrace all of these symptoms, learning about their positive intention, and then offering them an alternative solution. Like what if you didn't have to be suicidal all the time? What if we could heal the pain inside and you don't have to be suicidal? That is a huge offering to these parts because they're like hamsters on a wheel. They're stuck doing what they do because they have to. And when we listen and offer them an alternative solution, the whole system inside changes. Like, hey, guys, which one of you feels worse when you're heard, seen, and validated? Nobody. Yeah, nobody. We, all, we always feel better when somebody hears us or sees us or validates what's going on for us. The same is true with parts inside. When they feel heard, seen, and known, they relax. They don't get worse. So we're right. constantly inquiring inside, learning about the positive intention and offering an alternative solution to a problem that these parts of us are stuck with. Wow. And, and these parts, I guess, are these like their own little entities that are within, you know, we have many different parts, but they also, do they only come from, or they kind of arrive and then gain their essence and their energy from traumatic experiences? And then from that traumatic experience, they just keep living with this. He's called like, uh, you know, a hamster on a hamster wheel. They just keep rolling, rolling, rolling. And I guess the, the more that we uh, shame them, push them away, like um, instead of embracing them, trying to listen to them, shed the light on them, give them attention. So we have like, so that's what IFS really does. We get to know these parts uh, right. and then. Uh, begin to give attention to these parts and then even I know as I was researching then we like bring compassion to these parts got it. and and really yeah. listen to what um, they're saying and what they want us to do is, it, is this kind of the essence of what you know these parts because it sounds like you know you mentioned in the beginning it's not earlier it would be thought of insanity and now it's like wait because right. I mean I, I I know I'm sure John my I mean I know like I got lots of different parts inside of me. I'm like, yeah. like why yeah. Why is that coming up again? What's going on here? It's like, why? You know? And sometimes they're activated depending on the circumstances. Um, but really, really fascinating when the way you break it down, um, that it just, it's just a little part of us, but it's how it, how it comes into being is, is, uh, is really interesting as well and how it stays there until you know, we – go to therapy we get to know that voice um and i just wanted to elaborate on that but it's really fascinating thank you for breaking that down Um, let let me add a couple a couple dimensions to this um one is just to address two things that you said one is these parts we all have 
parts of us. We're born with them. They're normal aspects of our personality. Okay, so mm. we believe, like, I have a part of me that's funny. I have a part of me that likes to learn. I have a part of me that, you know, loves mm. to travel, likes to eat and go run. We all have these aspects of our personality. What ends up happening is that they are forced to take on extreme roles as a result of trauma or overwhelming life experience. So I may have a part of me that is smart and likes to figure things out, but it gets rigid and controlling because it has to understand things. Otherwise, something bad will happen. So parts tend to take on extreme roles as a result of their trauma. Because when we help heal, we don't get rid of any parts. We get rid of the job they were forced into doing. Okay? Yeah. So I have one one client, fascinating woman who struggles with substance use. She's been drinking for years with her husband. And we're working with a part of her that downs six to eight ounces of scotch every time she gets in a fight with her husband. Why do I do this? Why do I do this? So, you know, and not why do I do this with anger, like wow. Why do I do this with curiosity, right? She was shocked to hear that this part of her that drinks scotch is eight years old. She's like, mm. it started at eight years old? How could that be? Like, eight-year-olds wow. don't drink, right? You know, she was all up, couldn't understand it. And when we started listening to the part more, this part said, well, when, we, when I was a little girl, there was so much fighting in the house all the time. And when daddy came home from work, mommy and daddy went into the parlor and had a cocktail. And every time they had a cocktail, all the fighting stopped. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Right? And so this part, as she fights with her husband, reaches for scotch because it's like, oh, scotch is going to solve the problem. When mm -hmm. drinking happens, the fighting stops. So it's kind of like that. These parts learn from the environment and then they utilize it when things get activated inside, right? So that's one thing is that these parts are normal, but they're forced to take these extreme roles and they learn it in their environment. You don't become critical unless you grew up in a critical environment. That's not natural. It's what you learn. Right. Yeah. You don't dissociate unless you have a reason to dissociate and you've learned it somewhere. So that's a piece that's wow. important. We all have parts. They're normal. It's the extreme roles they were forced to take on when nobody's there and you're left alone to figure out the problem when you're younger or when you're out on a battlefield all by yourself without support. Right. The other mm. thing I want to say is the compassion piece. So. And this is where mindfulness and IFS overlaps a bit. And Excellent. I'll also say it's where they're different. So I love to talk about differences as well as overlap and similarities. In IFS, there is this belief system that we all have not only parts, but we all have this wisdom in us, this essence that internal family systems calls self-energy. It's compassion, it's wisdom, it's our soul. Call it whatever you want. And everybody yeah. has it, right? We're born with it. It doesn't need to be taught. It's a natural quality in every human being. 
And that is the place from which we heal. That is the place from which we start listening to our parts, right? When we do mindfulness exercises, mindfulness brings you into the present moment. But in IFS, we're also looking to access that inner resource that we believe is in everyone. It has love and compassion connected to it. So we're wanting people through utilizing mindfulness techniques to access that space in them that's loving and kind and compassionate. Mm. Now, the more trauma you've experienced in your life, the less access you have to that love and compassion. One of the mm. one of my favorite quotes in the book Transcending Trauma is trauma blocks love and connection. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have that question down here. Yeah. Go into yeah. that, please. Like what a, what a profound statement. You, you know, trauma, trauma blocks love. <laughs> trauma blocks love. Trauma blocks connection. And mm. it is love and connection that actually heals trauma. It's a cycle. Trauma blocks love. Love heals trauma. So the more trauma you have, the less access you have to that loving place within you. I mean, honestly, you guys, I was kind of excited this morning. I was kind of getting ready for this podcast. I was, I was like, men, men are confusing and confused. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Men are confusing and confused because culture and society does not foster love and compassion in men and culture and society. Be tough and strong, right? Right. Which doesn't allow them to access that wisdom, kindness, gentleness within. You're considered weak if you're loving and kind, right? And it's yep. such a problem. I work with so many successful men who don't have any access to their vulnerability because they need to be big and strong and powerful instead mm -hmm. of accessing the dimensions of them. I, it's like I work with big, powerful men that are really little boys inside. I'm constantly <laughs> doing that. It's many of us. Like, I'm working with all these big, little boy men. All <laughs> in, right? Because the, the vulnerability, the sensitivity is exiled because of culture mm -hmm. and society. Mm -hmm. We're taught to exile our vulnerability. So this idea of compassion is particularly loving compassion is hard for men because it goes mm. against all the teachings. Right. Right. You know? And it's, it's also just, what's needed to heal. Right. I'd imagine this is what's you essentially need it. to heal. You need that resource to heal. It's not the mm. great um, statement your therapist is going to make. That ain't going to help. I mean, it'll help a little bit. Sorry, therapist. But or even the it, drugs, I guess, too, right? The pharmaceuticals. It's just exactly. a band-aid. It's accessing that space within you. It's having a therapist that can help you access the wisdom within you that is ultimately going to help you heal. The therapist can help you access just like meditation can help you access, right? So we want to have people get used to like, hey, I have this in me. 
hey, I do have the resource. It might be hard for me to get it because of the amount of trauma I've had, right? So that's part of the work, and meditation is useful for that. For me, meditation is to help people access self-energy, access their own wisdom, their own healing capacity. Now, since you mentioned, I mean, the, the love um, and how trauma blocks love and then the, the inverse of that, that love heals trauma. Yes. Um, and, and Will and I have both read Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. How, how does trauma get buried in our bodies and why does that ha- happen? And then how does IFS help with that? Yeah. So I've been teaching, I'm just, talked to Bessel the other day, yesterday. It was his birthday a couple days ago. I've been working with him for a really long time. He's on the Cape right now. Um, I've been teaching neurobiology of PTSD and dissociation since 1992 for a long time. So we have a very good, clear understanding of the neurobiology of PTSD and dissociation. Stephen Porges, for those of you who know him, he does the polyvagal theory. Um, When we When we look at PTSD, what we know is that there are hormonal changes that occur as a result of stress, primarily cortisol, that gets released that is toxic throughout the body and the brain. Mm. There are certain hormones that get triggered and activated as a result of stress and trauma, and those hormones set up a whole cascade of things within our brain within our bodies that make us unable to process fear, unable to process trauma. You know, mindfulness meditation primarily focuses on the prefrontal cortex. Right. In trauma, the prefrontal cortex is temporarily shut down because of cortisol, glutamate, and norepinephrine. So three stress chemicals shut down our ability to to process or be present with overwhelming experience. And because of that shutdown, because of those chemicals, our amygdala, an area where we process fear, potently encodes fear memory. So there's no ability to what we call downregulate. The prefrontal cortex helps us downregulate overwhelming emotion and overwhelming physical sensations. So when you're freaking out, your body's on fire and your emotions are on overdrive. Prefrontal cortex can help downregulate that. Trauma blocks the prefrontal cortex's ability to downregulate. So you encode trauma memory in these moments and they get really stuck in there. That's what implicit memory is, this unconscious encoding of traumatic memory. Mm. So there's a whole physiology around that to learn about. And it helps people to understand, like, I'm not crazy. There's actually something going on in my brain that's not capable of processing emotions or helping myself calm down, right? You want to meditate while you're in the middle of a battlefield? Good luck, because it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. It doesn't, because you're in fight or flight. 
right? That is not the time you need to be mindful and present, right? Post, you need to process, of course, right? So what IFS does is it helps people get in that state of self-energy, get in that open, loving place, and then to compassionately be with and witness and hear from the parts that have endured the trauma. Because most trauma is experienced in isolation, interestingly enough. The moments of trauma are typically in isolation. Even, for example, I did work at um, 9-11. I went from Boston, went to New York during 9-11, worked with the Environmental Protection Agency, which was the building right next door to the Trade Center. Every person, even though they were with all their colleagues, were in trauma alone. When you're in life and death, you're not, you're, you're alone in your experience. You're overwhelmed. Mm. It's when people, so most, you know, the Boston bombings here, like, you know, people that are abused at night, whatever it is, you're out of, you, you know, this is why your comrades are life-saving to you. Connection is the antidote, love and connection is the antidote to trauma. But most people experience being utterly alone in those moments. So what we do is try to bring the self to be in connection with the part that experienced the trauma. We have the self give love and compassion to the part that endured the pain. And that's very healing. Once that connection occurs, then there's a capacity to release and let go of what we've been carrying because we hold that trauma until we don't have to hold it anymore. And it's through corrective experience of love and connection that allows us to start releasing what we're holding. Now, that can happen in an intimate relationship, in a close friend, or internally between the self and the parts. So we really rely on connection, corrective connection, the the experience opposite of the trauma. If you felt all alone, to feel loved is important. If you felt unseen, being seen is important. If you felt neglected and, and, and uncared about, being cared about is important. You know what I mean? So we're giving the opposite experience of the trauma. Something's happening yeah. over there. Somebody's somebody's resonating strongly yeah. with what I'm saying. I can see it. I, I can it. see it. <laughs> what, what do you want to say, yeah, man? Well, no, I mean, uh, you know, you said to be seen. Uh, yeah. You know, I was like, oh boy, and and like, and you know, maybe okay, maybe we'll just speak a little bit of my own experience. Like, you know, I was uh, a middle kid. Yeah, um, and with a brother, with a younger brother that, you know, needed a little bit more help than, you know, maybe a normal kid, a little bit, you know, and uh, and my parents were always like, they call me Billy, they're like, oh, he'll be fine, he'll figure it out, yeah. you don't have to worry yeah. about him, you know, all that, and it was just like, you know, so, and I did, I figured out everything out, I, I like, I learned how to do so many things on my own, I would just watch, observe, and then do, and then like, 
you know, I mean, really not have anyone to talk about or not like maybe um, coddled in the way like my younger brother was or maybe yeah. commanded in the way my, my older brother was and I was just right in the middle. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I feel that even in my life now, maybe this is like yeah. the reason a part of me does the podcast. I want to be seen. I want you to be yes. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. We are unpacking some <laughs> stuff here. You got it. That's exactly right. Yes, that's exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah. those wounds, Will, that we hold from early on drive most of our decisions in our life. Wow. That's a perfect example of that. It does. Those wounds drive most of the decisions. Think about it most. If you said you have this a large vet population, a lot of people who go into that line of service go in it for a reason mm -hmm. that is based to some degree in righting a wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we also pick our partners so that they will give us what we needed and wanted and didn't get in our childhood. So our wounds are very powerful drivers in our lives. And instead of trying to get it from somebody else, IFS says, what if we can show you and help you heal it internally, that yourself has the capacity to give that younger part of you what it needed and wanted and didn't get. You know, I talk about two different shame wounds when you, when you mention being alone, like, oh, wow, and it resonates, that's a mm. shame wound. I'm, you know, you can get a shame wound from one of two ways in a trauma perspective. One is you worthless piece of shit. If you're verbally told that all the time, then you're going to internalize I'm a worthless piece of shit, right? Or if you are neglected, wow. I must not be as important as my brother. I have to do it on my own, right? Those are the ways kids think. And mm -hmm. so then you hold the, I'm, I'm, not, I'm less than, I'm not good enough, I'm not worth seeing in the same way, right? So we do encode these very powerful messages and we spend most of our life trying to solve them in all the wrong ways, you know, and all the, a lot of the wrong ways, right? So this is a really good alternative to that, you know. Yeah, um, you know, what you said about the, um, a lot of people go into the military for an attempt to right a wrong. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. what you said earlier resonated with Will, what you said there definitely resonated with me. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I served in the, in the SEAL teams uh, for 17 years in the Navy for 24. And um, I was born in South Africa and came to the States yeah. when I was seven. And I had this really strong South African accent and I was picked on a lot yes. as a little boy, but I was yes. taller and bigger than, bigger than my classmates. So when I was picked on, I would just, I would, beat them down, <laughs> yes. which is, you know, terrible That's to right. say, but then I, yeah. then I developed kind of this, oh, well now I'm, I'm bigger and stronger. And when I stand up for myself, then I, 
I am validating myself. Yes. Um, and, right. and then I wanted to, I mean, there was definitely a piece that wanted to serve the country. Don't get me wrong. I love, yes. I love this country yeah. and I want to serve. But there was also a big piece of me that went specifically into special operations. And this is, you know, open kimono right here. So complete transparency yeah. <laughs> um, because I had a low self-esteem uh, yes. because I've been made fun of. But by fighting, that low self-esteem was always... Um, corrected or it felt like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm okay. Cause I can beat people up, <laughs> which right. is, uh, yeah, exactly so a hundred percent. So, so with that, you know, you, you talked about IFS and we've talked about this family of parts that are inside yes. us, right? What are those parts? So I, I'm, I, I know we've got the eight C's of the self, right? Um, and I guess with, with that, um, you know, what part is it that I am, going into the military to right that wrong. We've got the calm, the yeah. creative, connected, curious, clarity, courage, mm -hmm. confidence, compassion. Uh, none, of wanna, none, none of those. Not, none of those. None of those going into the military. Uh oh. That is not the reason you go into the military, right? right. Calm, curious, compassionate. Those eight Ps are the qualities mm -hmm. of self-energy, are the qualities okay. of yeah. the, the power, self, yeah. the compassion, our inner essence, our soul, right? Those are the qualities of our soul, our essence, the, the capacity to heal. The parts mm. of us which are different than the self in IFS, okay. the parts are broken down into three different categories. Mm. One is parts that carry wounds. So I'm unlovable, mm. I'm no good, I'm less than, I'm worthless. Those are our wounds that we carry. And by okay. the way, never met a person that doesn't have at least one of them. Nobody gets away scot-free this way. We all carry some form of wounding, okay, from one reason or another. The wounds, IFS calls exiles, because they're exiled, they're pushed away. Right, And then there are two different types of protective parts, parts that protect our wounds or parts that protect our pain. One of them we call preventative or a manager. It works really, really hard to prevent bad things from happening. I'm going to be good. I'm going to make people like me. I'm going to be funny. I'm going to obsess. I'm going to worry. You know, I'm going to drink one glass of wine every night so it just takes the edge off you know like protective parts that are preventative work hard to prevent bad things from happening it's one way of protection the second type of part that protects we call extreme parts or firefighters those are the parts that will do anything to stop the pain no matter what i don't give a shit about anyone or anything. I'm going to drink eight ounces of scotch. I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy. I'm going to drive my car 150 miles an hour because I'm pissed off and raging. Those extreme parts are called firefighters. But both of them serve a function of protection. Okay, so whether you're protecting in an extreme reactive way or in a preventative way, they both those parts both serve the function of protection. Remember, we get to know them, we appreciate them, we want to learn about their positive intention, 
And then we get permission from them to access that vulnerability. We get permission from them to access the wound. And then in IFS, there's a whole process around healing the wounds. So once we've gotten permission from those protective parts, because you can't, you're not going to get to your vulnerability if you're, if you're drinking, you know, a fifth of vodka every night. That's a right. protector that's saying, I'm not letting you in. No access, buddy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we need to work with those protectors first to get to appreciate them, to then get access to what's underneath. And we have a way to heal that, which is um, awesome. We have a way to heal that, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I, um, does, does this work with, and maybe we'll just talk a little bit about this because yeah. I've been um, kind of understanding this a little bit more and wondering about transgenerational tra- trauma. Is there a way to go inside, you know, like stuff that has been passed to you, like almost genetically, um, that we can go in and begin to heal these deep wounds that don't even come from our experience, but come from the experience of our ancestors? And guess what? It's not almost genetically. It is genetically. There are studies now. Rachel Yehuda is one of the people in Albert Einstein in New York who's done a lot of research on what we call the epigenetic transmission of trauma. Trauma is passed down through the genes. It is. Wow. Okay. And it's also reversible, which is the good news. I mean, I can tell you, I I have a trauma history. So I am, you don't become a trauma expert just for fun. (laughs) Let me tell you, it's not a fun job. You know, you become a trauma because you have a trauma history. Is this your manager speaking right now, uh, Dr. Frank? Is this your manager speaking right now? Hey, that that is my that is my truth speaking right now. I have a trauma. I'm I'm in the midst. I'm writing a memoir actually for the general public to tell my story so that people learn. Yes, we have trauma, and yes, healing is possible. It's very important for me. My purpose is to let people know we all have trauma, and it can be healed. Right. So. I know I have a trauma history, and with my oldest son, I can see some of the symptoms that he, some of the ways he reacts is similar to me because of my history. It kills me to see him have some of these symptoms that were passed mm. down genetically. I Do bet. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it really does happen, and it's reversible, right? So we can do that. But getting back to the transgenerational, So Rachel Yehuda did a study with the children of Holocaust survivors. It was like, oh, it's not just the environment that they're growing up in that gives them PTSD. Well, the kids had PTSD partly because of the environment, growing up with parents who survived the Holocaust, but also because of the genetic transmission. So that is actually healable also. Like I'll give you... A personal example for me, transgenerational trauma. I grew up separate from the abuse I experienced in addition to. I grew up in the south side of Chicago, very uh, big Italian family. I'm 100% Italian. I grew up in this sea of south side Irish. Everybody was Irish and everybody Mm. wanted to go to Notre Dame. It was kind of a thing. But 
my Italian heritage had mafia connections. And we would hear these stories as a kid growing up. You gotta watch out because Uncle Nino's gas station got blown up when he didn't pay his loan back. You gotta be careful because so-and-so's, you know, whatever, so-and-so's dog, uh, so-and-so's dog got beaten when he didn't eat his food like he was supposed to. So, like, I grow, grew up hearing all of these terrifying stories as a kid of the mafia. My dad would say, but I know, you know, they don't, once you, once you take money from the mafia, they own you for life. And I'd never taken a cent. Like, he held a lot of pride in that. And then we heard, Uncle Nino, Uncle not Uncle Nino, Uncle so-and-so was a pallbearer for Al Capone at Al Capone's funeral, right? And so we, as a kid, we were a part of this mafia world, right, that was terrifying. I used uh. to go to bed at night. I used to go to bed at night, like, are they going to come and blow up our house? Is somebody going to come and steal all of our money? Like, as a kid, you don't know, right? Oh, I used to read anything I could about Al Capone looking for my uncle, mm. you know, as I saw all these pictures and newspaper clips. So that was a trauma I carried because of the family that I grew up in, right? And that had a huge impact on my being being afraid. I was beaten up as a kid and I was terrified of the mafia coming to get me. You know what I mean? So I grew up with wow. so much fear. Both of those can be healed. Like you can heal from childhood trauma and you can heal from the transgenerational. You don't, what I say about transgenerational trauma is you don't need to carry anything that doesn't belong to you. So there's a way to release it and give it back. Sometimes we pass it back through the generations. Sometimes we release it off into the atmosphere. Sometimes we release it in nature, right? There's a lot of ways to release the stuff we carry. We all take messages. We all internalize messages as a kid. You know, growing up, for me, the men had to support the family. The girls, eh, get married. You don't have to go to school. Like, that was mm -hmm. a message in our family, you know? So we internalize all these messages and they have an impact on us. And yes, those can be healed. The other thing is we get tons of message from culture and society, as we talked about the beginning of this podcast. Men have to be tough and strong. You know, women have to be thin and pretty or any any of these cultural messages that we get. Um, we can release those also. That's a big movement now for releasing cultural transgenerational what we call legacy trauma so if if someone is is experiencing this legacy trauma whether it's cultural or transgenerational um and and they're seeking ifs therapy yeah. where do they begin yeah yeah so the ifs institute is the, is the website for the ifs institute is ifs hyphen institute.com and there's a website for everybody who's been trained in ifs it's very popular it's kind of sweeping the world right now there's maybe 20 people 20,000 people on a waiting list to learn how to do this method it's very popular i'm wow. one of the 
athlete trainers, as you said, it's really like the impact it's having on the world is very powerful right now. But if you go to the IFS website, you can see everybody who's been trained. You're, everybody's listed on there. And, you know, it's listed by state, by country, by, you know, city and town. And you can see if you can find a therapist who does know this modality. You know, I, I, it's really all over the world. I'm going to Oxford, England in September. I'm teaching in China in November. Like this model is really global at this point, which is wonderful. It, you know, for people, it gives people hope. Like you don't have to carry this. Right. It, there's a way to heal this. It is not a death sentence or a life sentence. And there is a way to release those overwhelming experiences that have such a profound negative impact in your life. That's why it's, that's why it's so popular. Mm, understandably. I mean, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I hadn't really heard a whole lot about it. And now in doing the research prior to the show and then having this conversation, I want to go and find an IFS therapist. Like as soon as we yeah. hang up. Yeah, that's <laughs> me right. too. Really? It's made a huge, I mean, you know, it's changed my life in so many ways. I can't it's even unbelievable. mention it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's really powerful. It's a powerful modality for healing. And I, after I uh, wrote transcending trauma i had this moment it was really kind of powerful I, I love to run it's one of one of the things i do for stress relief i the book was released may 19 2021 and i went for a run and i was like all right world the book is yours like i was work, worked on it for four years i'm like now it's yours like send it out to the world frank and honestly i heard this message i heard this message it said you're to bring trauma healing to the world i was like damn, that's a tall order. <laughs> like, it's, just me. it's just me. I just wrote one book, right? You know, but I now I understand that, like, I'm not the only one who's going to bring trauma healing to the world. That's clear. But I'm one of the people who is put on this earth to help bring trauma healing to the world. And that's an awesome thing to do. I feel really good about yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we appreciate, you know, your coming on the podcast as a part of that journey and a part of yes. that. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's right. so we're very one of one that. of many. One yeah. of many. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Will, what else you got, man? Um, well, maybe, you know, there's a lot. Maybe could we just touch on. You know, what are your thoughts about like psychedelics and that like bringing up trauma? Have you, I mean, are you, do you have any information on that or, you know, psychedelics have been, you know, they've been used you know, to heal, to heal trauma. I was wondering like what your thoughts might be around that. Um, How many hours do you have? <laughs> uh, God, we can probably, I wish we will have you back. How's that? So maybe just give us a little brief summary of like your experience and yays and nays yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I'll give you a, the, you know, I have a lot of feelings about it. I'm, I'm mixed about psychedelics, honestly. I think there, there's profound potential for doing some major work in healing trauma. Michael Middlefer, if you know him, he's the PI, the principal investigator of MDMA and ecstasy. He's a friend of mine. Mm. Him and I took IFS training together. So I know Michael very well. He's the one who's done all the research on MDMA. 
and he's done some amazing work with vets around healing their PTSD mm. and trauma. So it can, the, the, the work that they do is a profound. And typically people get into that self-energy when they do MDMA and then they do these spontaneous uh, healings. So there's, there's there this go. enormous potential. There's enormous potential for it within cool. the field. There's also a lot of people that are using it in the wrong way. This is the, the flip side of it. There's this, wow, I can mm -hmm. take drugs now. And it's legal, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are using it underground, without the right dosing, without the right support. Yeah. And what I can say to that is if you do it under the wrong conditions, just like any treatment, it can make your PTSD worse. I'm mm -hmm. working with a client who mm -hmm. did underground psychedelics, got two pulse doses, and he's been dissociated for almost six years now. He's never oh, been wow. able to recover because it was way too much without the right support. You know, there are drugs. They need to be done. Yeah in a controlled yeah. setting. So I'm, I hold mm. both, right? Some people use yeah. them to treat yeah. substance abuse. Other people use them abusively and abuse them as substance. Yeah. So we, we got to yeah. sort it out. There's a lot of potential yeah. and there's a lot of downside. The one thing like, uh, um, I'd imagine that after doing research on IFS, it does, you know, with, with, uh, without any substance intervention, Right, MDMA or you know, yeah. or even ketamine, I'm sure is helpful. Right? Um, yes. There is a certain vulnerability that's yes. necessary in order to get into the parts, listen to the parts, speak to the parts. Yes. Well, I'd imagine like the you know, substances like MDMA, which is it's an incredible experience. I imagine it softens uh, the yes. ego and provides a willingness to go to those places. Yes, that's exactly right. And you know what ends up happening? One of the things you brought up something important, Will. When we have people go to those places, we have them go there and not relive it. Reliving trauma is traumatic. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find the capacity to be with it instead of in it. And some of those psychedelics are very useful in that. For some people that don't have the capacity to be with it in that loving, gentle way, some psychedelics can help them, you know, do that in that way. So, yeah, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to, everybody's different. Everybody has different capacities. Yeah. And, you know, there's certainly a benefit for it if it's done the correct way in the right hands. Amazing. Yeah, uh, I fully agree. Uh, you know, it's the it comes back to the uh, the set and the setting, right? The the mindset yes. and going in and the setting that you're surrounding yourself with, making sure that you have the support. Um, it, so uh, I fully agree. Well, um, I want to respect your time. And I know we're coming up to the, the half hour that we, yeah. we talked about. Uh, Frank, this has been an incredibly insightful discussion. We, we really enjoyed it. We've gotten so much. And like I said, me and Will are probably going to go on. What was it? IFS-institute.com. Okay. Uh, we're probably going to go on there immediately afterwards and try to find an IFS therapist in our area. And I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners and watchers are going to do the same. Um, so we help. We, we hope that the, the expertise and perspectives have shed light on the complex world of trauma treatment and recovery. And for those of you looking to connect with Frank, Dr. Anderson, or learn more about his work, you can visit his website and make sure I get this right. 
Frank. It's www.frankandersonmd.com. Is that correct? Did you I got get it right? It. All yes, right. That is correct. <laughs> all right. Perfect. And, and if, you know, for all of those, uh, all of us, I will say, who have had trauma and like, like Frank said, there's nobody who gets out of this, you know, unscathed uh, without, without experiencing yeah. some level of trauma. And, you know, I know something that I've seen is people minimize their trauma. They're like, well, yeah. I didn't go to war, so I don't have trauma or yeah. And, and I fully disagree with that. I, f- I feel that yeah. we all need to acknowledge the trauma that we have had and that we need to remember the road to healing from trauma is not a journey that you undertake alone. There are resources and professionals like Dr. Anderson ready to guide you towards a path of healing and self-discovery. And with that said, I'm going to jump into our closing practice and then we'll say goodbye. So... Go ahead, get comfortable, whatever that looks like for you, whatever is safe physically and psychologically for you. And let's just bring our attention to our breath, noticing the rise and fall of our chest and belly with each inhalation and each exhalation. Breathing in peace and exhaling the stress and the anxiety. Breathing in deeply from the bottom, inhaling all the way to the top, feeling that peace as you inhale and releasing, releasing releasing. Deep breath in. Breathing into the here and now and releasing. Relaxing. Letting go. One final deep breath in together. All the way in. Hold at the top just for a second and relax, letting it go, letting it go, letting it and everything else go. And go ahead, if your eyes were closed, go ahead and start to blink them open, coming back into this space this time. Frank, fantastic episode. Thank you so much for this. It has been uh, mind-blowing. So we, we sincerely appreciate you and I hope that our audience gets something. I know they will. I know they're going to get a lot out of this. So Will, I'll turn it over to you to wrap it up. No, just a big thank you, uh, Dr. Frank, for you are in your uh, passion. You know, you are bringing IFS to the world. uh, And anyone listening, I really hope that you seek this therapy uh, because it's just, it sounds incredible. I've experienced it, but just from what we talked about today, it's just incredibly profound. You know, a different way to get in and, 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 and deal and overcome and get to know really uh, our trauma. So I really thank you, Dr. Frank, like, and, and for joining us today, but also, you know, the impact you're having on the world because, uh, and especially what we heard about transgenerational trauma, because, you know, for me, I was like, oh, can't go to that place or unaccessible or something like that. And here's, here's a, here's a modality. Um, any last words, uh, Dr. Frank, before we close? Um, I just want to thank both of you for doing this because this is the way we spread healing. You know, when I said I that was part of my 
purpose, that's also part of what you're doing. So I appreciate things like this to help spread the word for people. We are really, we've all been through so much and we all need so much healing. So the more that we can do collectively, I feel like it's the interconnected web of people on the the right side of healing, so to speak, right? Mm. Uh, so thanks for doing this and thanks for uh, bringing it forward. And I appreciate being on the web, on this uh, podcast. So thank, thank you. Thank you again. And, and for our listeners, thank you for joining us. And please, if you got something out of this, please share it with your family, your friends, and whoever else you feel could get something out of this, which intent is everyone. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Until next time. Peace. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you walk away with some new tools and insights to guide you on your life journey. New episodes are being published every week, so please join us again for some meaningful discussion. For more information, please check out mentalkingmindfulness.com.